You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jennifer Ma. Guys, my name's Ashley Evans. I'm Chad Mathner, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. I would say that everything changed within about a year. At the beginning of 2018, I was a burned out doctor with a taxing practice who was gently dipping a cautious toe into the financial independence community. By the beginning of 2019, just a year later, I had completely left my practice, focused my concentration on part-time hospice work, and had just begun a new podcast about finances and life. What a difference a year can make. I know, it sounds like a cliche. But I now find myself completely awestruck by the changes that have been happening year after year in my life. Do you feel the same way? If not, why? We have spent a lot of time over the last years bemoaning the COVID pandemic and what it has taken away. Today, we check in with three community members. Bad or good, what has changed in your life over the last year? Ashley Evans is a veteran real estate investor and a self-proclaimed baby catcher. She's currently studying to be a nurse midwife at the Yale School of Nursing. Jennifer Ma is a financial coach, community manager, freelancer, and consultant. She is a dear friend, and I consider her the glue that holds the financial independence community together. And Chad Methner received his MBA from Franklin University in 2015 and just recently left his job to become a full-time freelancer and contract worker. He has also graciously agreed to help organize my upcoming book launch. Ashley, Jennifer, and Chad, welcome to Earn and Invest. Ashley, I want to start with you. Has the last year been a good year? Mm, You would think I would have like an answer to this. I was listening to you talk honestly, and like so many emotions and so many thoughts came up. I would say it has been a productive in an introspective year. I had so much happen with my family. My mom had brain surgery and we got custody of a family member's newborn baby. And it was my last year was my first year at Yale. But through all of that, I came out, you know, of the year, I came out of December 31st, 2021 with such a gratitude for financial independence, like such a gratitude for the opportunity to, you know, when my mom had brain surgery, to be able to get to Florida when she needed me, to be able to help her with that baby when she needed me, you know, 
to be able to say like, nothing is important. Like Yale is not important right now. My job is not important, right? Nothing is important. My family is important to me. And to have that level of freedom, it, it's, it's indescribable. It was a hard year, but it was one of those years that make you really, really grateful about having the ability to get through that hard year. So honestly, for that reason, I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, it was it was a great year. It was. Ashley, it's an important point because we often talk about our financial goals. And even today, we may talk about our financial goals and sometimes forget that actually our finances or financial independence, what have you is a tool. And it sounds like this year you really used it as a tool to do the more important stuff, like being there for your mom. Yeah. I made this Facebook post the other day where when I was still in the Navy, I had, I shared like a memory and the post that I had made was like, it was on quote on God, I'm going to be a millionaire by 35 and I will never work a job that I never love again. And my comment on it was that's not going to plan. And somebody that I met at Camp Fi, you know, she she said to me, Ash, I've known you since like 2018 at this point now. She was like, your goal is not to be a millionaire. She was like, your goal is freedom and your goal is power to do the things that you want to do and make the changes that you want to make. She was like, I'm going to go out on the limb and say you're doing just fine on your goals. And I think that really captures like the Money is only going to get you so far. Money is the half marathon, right? It's really about how are you going to use money to make sure you live the life that you want to live? And that's the hard question to answer. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that, Ashley. I mean, I feel like my pursuit of financial independence has been a blessing. And this last year, having the financial resources to see me through the pandemic, first year and second year, was an incredible boon. And it's something that I would never have thought I I would have in my lifetime. And I mean, I grew up poor, as some of you might know, and I have a homeless plan. But this last year, I realized I don't think I'll ever be homeless because financial independence has allowed me to build up those resources. Now, the mind shift is what do you really want? And how do you want to turn your energy and time and leverage and use that personal power and sense of agency to help others and yourself and your family. I totally agree with you. And I'm so glad you had that that ability to say, this is what's important. This is my family. Jen, you've been at this financial independence thing for quite a while. Tell me how you've evolved in your beliefs and feelings about financial independence. Is it the same thing to you now as it was a few years ago when you discovered it? Oh, boy, that's a really tough question. The financial independence movement means to me the same thing as it did when I found it. Although I have to say that the original focus was on money. You know, let me build up my resources. Let me hit these milestones in terms of assets and whatever. And now I'm looking at it as more of time. So it's evolved over my pursuit of it. It's not that portfolio balance. I don't need to be a paper millionaire. It's more about how many resources do I have that allow me to feel safe and secure? And it's really sort of interesting. I am not financially independent. I would consider myself Coast Fi. And I really didn't think I would have an issue with not contributing to my accounts, but I did. And that was a shift, you know, the idea that I was going to take this time to try and build a life that I wanted and pandemic hit and nothing went to plan. 
And, you know, it's a tough question. I would say yes and no on whether or not financial independence means the same to me now as it did when I discovered it back in, I don't know, 2012 or whatever. Mm. Different. It's different. I think this was this last year for me, the biggest shift is realizing that I'm not financially fragile. I mean, I knew it on an intellectual level, but to feel it in my heart was a completely different thing. To tell you that I don't think I'll ever be homeless is a huge step for me because that was a big fear that I wouldn't be able to to provide for myself and provide security because money is a tool. And for me, it's security first and then freedom second. Not financially fragile. What a, what a profound statement. Chad, tell us about the Chad Methner five years ago and the Chad Methner today. How are they different? Oh, wow, Doc. I was making five years ago ten fifty an hour. <laughs> so I was barely making above minimum wage. I was stressed out in a job I did not like. I was in the middle of a failed marriage. There were just so many things going on five years ago that aren't going on today that I just, I'm so surprised with what's going on and where I've come from then. What do you think that Chad Methner five years ago would think of of who you are today? Would that Chad be surprised? Yes and no. There are parts that wouldn't be surprised, but there are parts that would. Even as little as a few months ago, if you told me that I would quit my job and just up and move out of state. I wouldn't believe it. It's just kind of crazy to think about. But the fact that five years ago, I was building systems and five years ago, I was building systems for financial independence that are just now coming to light. And I'm seeing that compound growth, not only in finances, but in skill sets as well. And confidence, my confidence has grown over the past five years, unbelievably. Actually, it's an interesting point that Chad makes when he says, you know, look, I started putting these systems in place five years ago, and they're just coming to fruition. Talk about how when you originally discovered financial independence, are you feeling now that you're growing into it this year? I mean, has it been an evolution? It has most certainly been an evolution. I'm trying to think kind of what like what the pattern is over that five years ago. So what year is it this year? It's 22, so minus five, that's 17. Okay, kind of was a, was a gift to me. I, I did not go looking for five, five found me. And I'm really grateful for that gift because it, it has really kind of like ushered me through the ins and outs of life. So the way I found five was I had ended up buying a tax lien on accident. Like I, I didn't know I was buying a tax lien at a time, but I needed to figure out what to do with this house that I had in Atlanta when I lived in, I think I was in South Carolina at the time. And I found the Afford Anything blog, like the baby days of the podcast. And this man named Doug was on the show and Doug's daughter was in, was at the same duty station that I was at. And that was how I found the financial independence movement, talking to this girl that was in the same command that I was at, whose dad happened to be Doug Nordman. Oh my God, are you talking about Carol Pittner too? We were in nuclear power school together. That's how I found this community. I I remember being like, hey, is, is this your dad on this podcast? Because I found it on Facebook. And she was like, yeah, you want a book about military fi? And she, we've, been, we've been writing together ever since. 
So now, right, because because of that moment, I had this house that I had in as, as an asset when things went very terribly wrong when I was getting out of the Navy, drastically wrong. I traveled the world. I bought another house, the house that you see here, that I house hack. And now I don't consider myself spy because I know I'm going to have to work again. But I house hacked this house. I have no bills and, and I'm okay. But it, but it all stems from asking Carol, like, if her dad, if, if this was her dad. So there is an evolution. But it, it, it's weird. I, I would say Bai has kind of, you know, the whole midwife thing. I can be a hippie and I'm woo, but it has, it, it's true for me. It has worked out. Like, life will really give you what you need if you believe it will. You have to uphold your bargain. You know, you have to do your work. But I I really feel like life will give you lemons, but it'll also give you some sugar, some water, and like whatever the little thing is that you make the juice with. The juicer. <laughs> I totally understand where you're going with that because this last year in all of its up and downs for me is sort of a little bit of blessing in disguise and that reinforcement of how to make good things come out of not so good things. Jennifer, we've now been talking about our finances in the last year, but ultimately we're really talking about our lives. You are a financial coach. How much of financial coaching is actually just life coaching? I mean, how big a part do the finances play in the overall plan? You know, the numbers are easy. It's the mindset. And, you know, this last year, it reminded me that I still have some advanced work to do on my mindset. I thought I'd gotten over scarcity. I thought I had gotten over uh, some other things that tripped me up. And I want to revisit a comment that Ashley made. You know, you have to put in the work you said, right? But I also think that you have to be clear. You have to be, you have to have clarity on what you want your life to look like or be. And whether or not that changes from point A to point B or when I hang up on this call, that's okay. But you have to be clear because I discovered that I put out, I did some work and I put out what I wanted and I was vague. I wasn't, I was unclear and I wound up getting more opportunities outside of this realm, outside of personal finance and financial independence and coaching than I anticipated. And this is the arena I want to play in. And, and it goes to show that when you can craft a clear idea of what you want and you shout it into the universe and you back that up with energy and intent that things can happen, but you have to get out of your own freaking brain. You have to get out of your own way emotionally. And that's, that's the thing that trips people up. Numbers are numbers, tax laws, tax law. And the big thing is working on your own internal DNA. I don't know what to call it, your financial DNA. So we call that shadow work and inner child work. Mm -hmm. And it is work. It is addressing all those things about yourself, like you said, that you don't know because you don't really want to know. Like you don't want to know why you're, you don't want to remember why you're scared about going homeless because there's probably a reason for that. No one wants to remember the stuff that kind of sparks those fears. I don't want to remember my times in the Navy that make me always need to have a plan B because I have a phobia of having a job now because I don't want to remember how people treated me in my job, but I know I, I have to work on those things 
in order to let them go so that I can move to the next step in my money, my money journey. So I completely agree with you, Jen. It is, it is necessary work. It is, I don't think you can move on to the next step without doing it, but I agree it is hard. It's emotionally exhausting. <laughs> it truly is. And, and we don't give enough credence, credence to, to how exhausting that is. And, and yet some of the things that we have trauma from or this, this underlying, I call it sometimes my money operating system. These are beliefs and things that, and subtext that, that drive me to do certain things. Some of those actions and some of those fears that some of that trauma is what spurred me on to get out of the situation. They served me as tools, but then they no longer serve you. And what do you do then? And Chad, earlier, I think you minimized your success. I want to tell you, you're a freaking rock star. All the changes you made, you haven't even touched base, man. Chad, let's talk about some of those changes. I mean, we're talking about inner fears. We're talking about intentionality. You did something pretty big this year. I mean, you left your job to decide to become a freelancer. What did you have to let go of? What were the fears you had to kind of get over in order to take this big step? Oh my gosh, there were so many fears I had to get over. Scarcity mindset, we we talked about that for a minute. Just the fear of not being enough to make a higher income, to not be able to hustle out and actually sell yourself as a freelancer. I really lucked out and the opportunity came to me and someone said, hey, I'm hiring writers at this rate. I want you because of your background and your compassion and the way you write, I want you to write for me. And I looked and I said, okay, I'm already ready to quit this job. I'm looking for remote work. Can I make this feasible to quit my job? And I sat down and I ran the numbers and I said, if I do X amount of work on my own, I'm almost making my net income already just from this writing opportunity. And then I started reaching out and I said, okay, I want to do part-time remote work. Give me leads. And I reached out to my network on Twitter and there was just an abundance of people that said, hey, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. Somebody I used to work with reached out for an opportunity who runs a bunch of websites and said, hey, I'm buying up more websites. I need more help. I have this opportunity. He emailed me two days ago and now I'm ready to get back in. Now I've got more work coming in for that. I reached out with another opportunity and we connected and they said, oh, you wrote for Choose FI a while back. I remember working with you. Okay. Yeah, I'll, let me talk to my boss and here's this opportunity and we'll get you started. And I'm going to start that opportunity here in a few weeks. Um, I have some amazing freelance friends who make a large amount of income that I never thought would be possible for me because I always had that fear of rejection. But now when people are reaching out to me with opportunities that I'm more confident, it's just it's leading to more opportunities and people are throwing more opportunities out at me. I'm starting to turn down things. And I was worried two weeks ago, is this going to be feasible over the year? And now I have to say no to things. And it's just like, that's the biggest confidence booster I can have is because if I can sell myself so well that I have to say no to things, <laughs> that's amazing. Chad, are you able to say no? Because I have to tell you, I have a hard time saying no when opportunities fall in my lap. I've been able to pass on opportunities. I haven't necessarily said no, but I've looked at opportunities and I just, 
stop myself from looking into the advancement of saying, I'm going to apply for this or, you know, I, I'm kind of keep it in my back pocket for later. So mm-hmm. there's kind of that. Another thing I also learned is don't be afraid to take no. I've reached out and I've been rejected for a lot of jobs when I was applying for other things. I did a few cold pitch emails and said, hey, I love your content. Here's what I do. Here's what I can do. I'd love to work with you. I had a couple of responses of, I'm not hiring anyone now, but maybe later. I had a couple no's. There was a there was a couple dream jobs that I applied for that I didn't get. I don't know if uh, some of you know, know about those, but I applied to YNAB and Personal Finance Club, and they had hundreds of applications. And I just felt so let down when I didn't get those jobs. But then I just kept I kept throwing myself into the FI community, and I didn't let that rejection stop me. And it's just increased my networking as a freelancer. And people are still throwing opportunities at me. I'm still, you know, throwing the hook out there. And there's always the possibility that somebody might come back and say, hey, we want you to work for us. Ashley, I'm wondering if the pandemic and COVID has changed the urgency that we approach these life decisions. Do you think you're more likely to pivot, to change, to evolve? based on the fact that COVID has kind of made us think that maybe our time is limited or maybe now is the time for us to change? Well, gee, that's a hard question. First, I want to say we ended up being very, very, very fortunate. Very fortunate. And I think when I say we, I say my this particular household, my particular social group of friends, and especially my family. You know what I mean? So I want to acknowledge the fact that I can, that that's kind of a privilege in a way, because a lot of people were affected drastically, you know, catastrophically by COVID. And that is going to color my answer. I was very, very honestly blessed. I do think that COVID has changed the way that people look at their nine to five in general and U.S. What what is it called? It's the the great resignation. resignation. Yeah, and it's very interesting to see people really kind of, especially in, in the field of healthcare. You know that I'm in. People are really kind of looking at their time and how their companies treat them and value them value them differently. I I think I don't. I wouldn't say there's too many good things about a pandemic. Like a a lot of people died, but it did make people think about the value of their lives in a different way. And I think people it really kind of put in like definite terms, what does this hospital, what does this corporation, what does this job truly think about me as a person? What is my value? And I think people are making decisions more from that mindset. And I think that's pretty cool to see. I think that's pretty cool to, you know, as as someone who has a privilege to watch from, from a third, you know, an objective third kind of bystander, it's cool to see people kind of ask themselves the question and then say, like, I'm staying because I have made this decision or I'm leaving because I have made that decision. I think I see uh, something very, very similar, you know, where people are questioning about what am I spending my time on? Is this organization treating me well? Do I like it? Do I have other options? And this is the first time I think I've seen 
in my adult lifetime where there seems to be much more power in the employee's hands in terms of determining whether or not they want to be affiliated with an organization or whether or not a freelancer wants to be affiliated with a particular client. And I think it's pretty awesome, you know, because you you can leave toxic companies because there are other companies that are looking for your talents. I think that's an incredibly powerful thing to be able to say, you know, this isn't really working for me and not feel like you can quit. I don't know about you, but when I was told, when I was growing up, the last thing I wanted to do was resign from a job without another job in my back pocket, right? Now I see so many more brave people say, there's a ton of opportunities. I don't need this toxicity in my life. I just wish I had learned that lesson when I was in my 20s, people. We are talking with Ashley Evans. She is a real estate investor and currently studying to be a nurse midwife at the Yale School of Nursing. Jennifer Ma, who's a financial coach and community manager, and Chad Methner, who got his MBA in 2015 and recently left his job to become a full-time freelancer. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. All right. So most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor. And it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner, and now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, everybody. Just a little update on our ground team. The ground team is a chance for you, an Earn and Invest listener, to become part of my team for my book launch of Taking Stock. That's going to be during the first week of August. We already have almost 100 participants. If you sign up to be part of the ground team, you are going to get extra video. You're going to get snapshots into the book early, and you're going to get other content and blogs Become part of this community. Help me get this book out. Again, we're starting early because the ground team needs to be in place by early August. 
I hope you check it out. Just go to earnandinvest.com and right up at the top of the page, there'll be a place for you to learn more about the ground team. Come become part of the Earn and Invest and Taking Stock team. Thanks for listening. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking to Ashley Evans, Jennifer Ma, and Chad Meffner, and we're discussing change over the last year. Jennifer, have you become jaded at all over the last year? I mean, I feel like we've all had good changes, but these this has not been an easy year. Have I become jaded? I really try to fight my natural cynicism. <laughs> with I'm not the unsinkable Molly Brown or anything like that, but I do try to fight my own jaded perspective. I, I don't want to think that, you know, cynicism is is actually there to protect your heart and your from from new disappointments, right? So you have a choice to whether or not apply that here and now or try something different. And I try to keep it fresh a little bit, but have I, have I become jaded? I think what's become apparent to me is that on one hand, we have a lot more public scrutiny and discussion on mental health. And that's been really great. You know, I love the fact that people are acknowledging that anxiety Social isolation, as you may know, I am a social quarantine person, and that has not been good for my mental and emotional state of health. But I see that out in the public, and I'm like, you guys are all so brave telling your truth and your stories. And then yet, at the same time, I am a little bit concerned with how open people are because I'm afraid that employers may not be as supportive of your honesty and your candidness about where you are in your mental space. And this has been a really hard time and place. We've got people going through grief. I went through a a very severe set of my mother died from COVID. And this last year has been my dealing with the emotional impact of our relationship. You know, there's a lot of issues and conflicts that happen. And even when you can hide in your home, it's not quite the same. But have I become jaded? I think I've always been slightly jaded and I've just turned to learned optimism. But I'd still love people in the concept. It has reinforced the fact that as much as we want to protect our inner emotional soft underbelly, we are gregarious people who need other people in our lives. And it reinforced my belief in community. Just like Chad mentioned networking, I can't tell you how grateful I am that I've had friends, even virtually through Zoom, reach out to me or Google Hangups or what Meet or whatever. That's been the blessing. Jad, let's talk to you a little about the last year. We love to pat people on the back, right? Things go well. You quit your job. You have more opportunities than you thought you would. But it it allows us to pass over the fact that change is hard. Tell me about some of the struggle you had in making this change. Well, I mean, right now I'm struggling with the fact that I have to Well, I don't have to, but I'm struggling with the fact that I'm moving away from friends and family to be with the person I love, which is a huge part of why I quit my job and wanted full remote work was to take care of my significant other who lives out of state. So I'm struggling with not only rushing to pack up and move somewhere I've lived in my entire life, but also saying goodbye to people that I've known for years and years 
and going to meet new friends and new family. And it's also not always sunshine and rainbows. Uh, One of the other struggles is being apart from someone in a long distance relationship, especially someone with health issues that I can't just pack up and go right away. Now that I quit my job, I have to get all my ducks in a row and everything else. And you got a lot of stuff on your plate. Sorry. (laughs) I just have to say you have a lot of stuff on your plate and I think you should be much more kind to yourself and patient. It's a scary thing. Gosh. It's scary, but it's also very exciting at the same time. It's almost like I'm allowed to believe that I can chase my dreams now and actually go for what I want. And the fact that I'm looking at the math and I could possibly make an income that I never thought was possible, that you know I could be in the I could totally bypass ever making $50,000 and I could make upwards of 75000 or maybe even be my first six-figure year. It's just kind of crazy. And the fact that I can just get up and walk outside or if I have to take my significant other to a doctor's appointment or if I want to take a long lunch or if I want to just go away for a week, I can just bring my computer. It's just so exciting that I found remote work that I can just work on my own schedule and I feel responsible for just doing on my own pace rather than I have to sit in front of a computer for eight hours and make sure that I'm answering emails or phone calls that I don't necessarily want to do at that moment. I'm listening to Chad talk and I think what's really interesting about the FI community is that and what makes it really magical and special is we're almost we're almost kind of the same person in the way that money, we're different, but money is a thing that we can control. And we use money to control freedom, to control security, to control just the things in life that you don't want to leave to someone else. But then we, all, all of us, and, and here's the magic, we all get to the point where we have the money And it's no longer going to help us control the long distance relationship, right? It's no longer going to help us control the next step. You have to let go of control. And that's when the community comes in and supports you. That's when everybody comes in. And what do you need? How can I help? A listening ear, a hug. And that's what makes this community so life-changing is because like we have all had the money control. We've all, you know, done the neurotic like TSP or 401k thing. And then we get there and now you can't control what comes after that. Now you have to figure out who you are. Now you have to figure out what's next. And you have a whole community of people there to help and support and love on you like you did, Dachi Economy this year. That's the thing about the FIA community is there's always someone to just root for you. And that is powerful. That can really change someone's life. It definitely did mine. Yeah. Jen, I was going to ask you, like, so how do we prepare for change? But what I'm hearing from Ashley and Chad is that the money only is a small part of it or, or a certain part of it. It sounds like the community is the secret sauce to making change happen. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I would say that that helps. I, it's Okay, so... That doesn't absolve you from doing the hard work about really defining (laughs) what you want. Because I, so this last year, I finally sort of started feeling better and I had my scarcity mindset. 
And I have an opportunity fund. I had my FU money and I had planned that if I needed to, to delve into certain accounts. When it came push to shove, I couldn't sell any assets to help me over the hump. Instead, what I did was I just did a reach out to my my network and I said, hey, I'm freelancing in, in this space. And all of a sudden I got hit with a lot of work. Was it work that brought me joy? No, but it was really very nice to know that I'm still marketable. I have skills and knowledge and experience that's still in demand. And, and it also reminded me again, I need to be clear about what I want. That outreach from my community, when I told them I was ready for additional opportunities, they were all people that I had worked with at one point, that I had volunteered with at one point, that I had given back. And I believe that you should build your community, your network way before you ever need it. Give from your heart. Give for, with the purest of intention, never thinking that you're going to get anything back because that's not why I volunteered. I volunteered in a professional society because I wanted to give back. I had a couple of great uh, interactions and I thought, what a great community. Let me help them out. And I wound up on their board. And then I just mentioned that I needed some extra work and all of a sudden all these opportunities came in. And But those were all things that I built before 2019, before 2018. And it's not to say that every connection you make is going to pan out or whatever, but having built those relationships and it's like reputation capital or I don't know, I don't know what to call it, but it's a resource. So when I look at things like when Ashley was talking about money and she mentioned this whole control aspect, I'm like, holy cow, we're a whole bunch of control freaks. I never thought of it that way. I would say that if you're going to prepare for change, one of the best things you can do is build the people around you. Build up the people around you. Be open to candid feedback. Take a really great assessment because it's easy to say, I don't have that skill set. I don't have those resources. I'm going to fail. What if I lose my job? What if I can't make this work? I've been there. I still do this. And let yourself spiral down into this like negative thought pattern and then pull yourself back up and think about, what if it all goes right? And then somewhere in between is probably the reality. And so sometimes I have to re really catch myself. And I'm blessed with some really close friends who pull me from the brink of like disaster thinking. I'm, I'm a worst case scenario handbook queen, man. You know, I have, a I have a contingency plan for everything. And I'm pretty sure that came out of trauma. But, you know, at this point, let's leverage that. What's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing that can happen? And what's the reality? And then be okay with letting go what the success looks like. Let me rephrase that. I recently shared a post on Facebook about letting go of expectations and a picture of what your life was supposed to be like. The only thing that you and I, the only thing I can control are my actions and putting in whatever the work is. And sometimes my energy, my ability to focus isn't 100%. It's not perfect, but I can't, I find myself getting much more disappointed when I have this beautiful picture in my head that this is what life is supposed to look like. And then it just, of course, blows up. We all know that, right? And if I let go of that expectation and I just focus on my actions and my intentions, I think it helps me achieve 
a better sense of peace and a better ability to to go with the flow if things all blow up. If I let go, okay, so I have two hands. You ever do this where you go to the grocery store and you're like, I'm only in there for like a second and I'm only going to pick up two things. So you don't get a bag, you don't get a basket, you have these two things. The next thing you know, you've got like a whole armful and you're like not able to see over the, the top of it and you're barely making it to the checkout stand and something falls. In order to get that really great deal there or that one other item that you really, really want, you have to let go of something in your hands. And that's that's how I'm trying to figure out my own life, right? And it's hard when we think about jobs that sound secure. But I think we've seen through this pandemic that there's no such thing as a secure job. Change is hard. Chad, Jen was just talking about sometimes you have to let things go and sometimes things just blow up. What could blow up for you in the next year and how would you manage it? What could blow up for me? I could have a completely failed relationship and I would be stuck somewhere and have to find somewhere to relocate. That's probably not going to happen. Very, very low probability. Almost impossible, I would say, but it could happen. I could just completely give up and freeze up and quit freelancing and I would have to go find probably a nine to five or find a new job and panic over income. I could completely blow through my retirement because I have to, I have no emergency fund and I would have to find a way to make a quick income and pay expenses. I mean, there's all kinds of things that I could sit here and ruminate about what could go wrong, but what could go right? I just said I could almost make six figures if I hustle it enough and rest. So why focus on what's going to go wrong? I'm building my confidence and I don't want that to come out arrogant, but that's me telling myself that, hey, more than likely the middle ground or the high ground is going to go on. And if, like I said, two months ago at Economy, if you told me I was going to quit my job, move and go freelance, I wouldn't believe you. So why wouldn't I not believe myself now and say, what could happen? Let's, like, let's just reach for the sky. Let's just go crazy. Why not? And Jennifer was talking about, you know, she has the FU money and everything else. Well, I have the FU opportunities. I found a skill set that I can market. I found a passion that I can combine with that skill set. And personal finance is my jam. I, I get to live the dream of just talking about money and getting paid for it. I mean, how cool is that? The control freak in all of us wants to just get paid to talk about finances. And we all do that, but in some different aspect. And why not go for that dream of ours? And I'm I'm not, and I wanted you to know that when I tell you that I I do the whole like what could go right and what could go wrong, it is it is a tricky balance because you can get mired too long in what could go wrong and it's no longer productive. It's one thing to do the whole contingency planning; it's another for dreaming big. So Ashley, sum it up for us. What did you learn from last year? Give it to us in a sentence. You re- you're really giving me the easy questions. That's going to go to everybody. You get it first. Okay. The first one is part of being financially independent or financially secure is you can buy the opportunity to see the joy and in, in the terribleness and the suck. I don't know if it's a lesson per se, but 2021 would have been a whole lot worse for me. A lot worse if I 
was not baby financially independent, right? Like if I had financial obligations that I needed to attend to, and if I could not be there for my family. So part of the allure for Phi, like I saw this phrase, what was it? Financialist or Phi evangelist? So my my small Phi evangelist is part of being Phi is you're buying yourself the opportunity to see the glitter in the crap. And there's flaws in that, right? There, There's nothing good. I do not want to make light out of losing a family member, especially someone like your mom. There is no glitter in that. That is not what I'm trying to say. Oh, no. And I'm not taking it that way, Ashley. Okay. Not at all. Okay. Okay. There's some things, you know, there's no glitter in it. And a lot, I don't want people to take away like money can make, you know, COVID cool. No. That is not what I'm saying. But money gave me a chance to, money bought me the time to be grateful. That is what I am saying. So that's number one. And then number two is when money buys you that time to be grateful, make sure you use that time productively. Make sure you do that self-introspection, that work that Jen was talking about, about learning what direction you want to go in, learning what you want learning the fears and the traumas that's keeping you from getting there and make sure that like you steal yourself for this work because it is not for the faint of heart. It is it is big work and hard work. Also kind of flaws, like you can poke holes in that one too. But like, I would say those are my two halves that would make a solid hole. Solid one. <laughs> Jen, what have you learned in the last year? It is important to guard your peace, whatever that looks like. If you can find some respite, some place inside with people internally, when I mean inside, not inside your home, but obviously you can have peace in your home. But I think it's important to guard your, your peace and watch your emotional, internal dialogue and conflicts. I was not as productive as I could have been this last year. And there's a little part of me that wants to judge myself poorly for that. And then there's the other part of me that's like, what would I say to a friend who's going through what I'm going through? And I would give them lots of hug and love and tell them, you're doing the best you can. Focus on the important things. And I recognize and acknowledge that going, pursuing financial independence, even having an opportunity fund, it's privilege. I am lucky. I am blessed. And and acknowledging that, I feel a little bit guilty sometimes that I have, that I have shelter or that I have some emergency funds and resources that I can tug on so that I don't have to go to work and report to an office. But the big takeaway for me is really guard your peace, do the inner work, figure out what you really, really want. And just be gentle with yourself. Chad, what have you learned in the last year? Okay, so my sentence is going to be growth comes from discomfort. Doc, you probably remember when I went to introduce myself to you and Paula at Economy, I was scared, stiff, sweating bullets, just all around nervous. But I forced myself to grow and do that. And the things that came out from Economy were tenfold by just growing and just getting the confidence to just do the thing. And it was just 
economy was life changing. It's just the support and network of people that I've met through Twitter and other social media just has allowed me to alleviate that anxiety that came from that lack of confidence and was able to help me grow into becoming a full-time freelancer and create those systems that pushed me out. Those systems are easy to keep going and be consistent when times are good, but when times are bad, it hurts. But if you just keep going and going and going, you know, you will hit that breaking point. So definitely that's how I started growing my confidence is just I hit those pain points and just kind of steered into that growth. Well, I'm not going to say what I learned from the last year, but let me say what I learned from this podcast. And I think I can narrow it down to three things. One is change is hard. Uh, Two is having a community can buffer your lows and augment your highs. And last but not least, money is powerful, not as a goal, but as a tool to help you deal with that change, whether good or bad, whatever trauma or even happiness you might be facing. Having a financial plan and backing can make all those things better. I want to thank you guys for coming on the show and talking about your experiences for the last year. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and how can people find you if they want to know more? Ashley, let's start with you. What is up next in your life and how can people reach out to you? Earlier tonight, Jen said she follows my Instagram. So I am going to do better with the Instagrams. You can find me at Ashley Evans underscore the REI on Instagram. I've also been on TikTok lately. It's more midwifery-esque, but it's nice catch, Ashley. And then, you know, I don't know what's next for Ashley. It'll either be number one, graduate, and then probably travel the world again, or it'll be travel the world again, and then we'll see what happens with the graduation. But there'll be some midwifery, some traveling, you know, the huge. Jennifer Ma, what is up next in your life and where can people find you? Wow. Well, geez, I'm just trying to do the good work. I'm doing some freelancing. I'm doing a little bit of consulting. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me in a lot of the personal finance communities that are on Facebook. On Instagram, it's just ma.jennifer. I'm around. People can find me even in your fabulous Facebook group, Doc. I hang out there too. Thank you for letting me in. <laughs> that is earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Thank you for he, the plug, Jen. Oh, yeah. He didn't. That wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> and Chad, I know where I will not be finding you, which is in some corporate office somewhere with a boss staring over your shoulder at your computer screen. Where can we find you and what is up next in your life? Well, as we talked about earlier, I am moving. I'm actually moving from Ohio to Arkansas to be with my significant other. And we are heading to Camp Fi Rocky Mountain week two. So anybody in the Colorado area who's going to be at Camp Fi, we hope to see you there. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chad Methner MBA, all one word. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I wanted to thank Jennifer Ma, Chad Methner, and Ashley Evans. That's a wrap. Have you been considering investing in real estate? If you have, the best place to go to learn about this asset class is the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast with Coach Carson. Here, Chad, aka the coach, talks about real estate and gives you all the tips and tricks 
But not only that, but he has guests on real proof of concept about how to reach financial independence by mastering this tricky asset class. Check him out. Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast with Coach Carson. It is a must-listen to if you think real estate is going to be part of your financial holdings. The easiest way to get there is to go to CoachCarson.com. Again, CoachCarson.com. Take a listen. You won't regret it. Sweet. Not your voice. <laughs> Fabulous. That's what I forgot. They can find me. Oh, they'll see go me ahead, say it, on your say book. It. All right. Say it right now. On three, two, one. Go. You can also. F- I'm drawing a blank. Hang on just a second. <laughs> what is he doing for your book? So go ahead, Chad, if you want to say something. Then so what's up next Next for me? In addition to Camp Fly Rocky Mountain, I'm hoping to see people around with helping you market your book. And I totally appreciate that. That is Taking Stock. It's coming out on August 2nd, 2022. And I am just getting my resources together. And Chad has offered to help me put them together so we can make sure we get this book out to as many people as possible. So thank you. Wait, does this mean you're going to have like a street crew? I will actually. Yes. So I'm going to have a ground team hopefully for launch. So that's within the week of launch. I'm going to need about 10 to 15 people who are going to help me on social media, et cetera. And both of you, of course, are invited. I don't have the resources to pay for it, so that's not happening. But I will be sending out an early version of the book soon as well as kind of trying to utilize people who are Earn and Invest fans and Doc G fans. So, Well, you know, hello. <laughs> and you can pay me in a deep dish pizza because well, I'd, know, be, I'd be happy to do that anyway. But. We're going to have to have the battle of Pepe's and Sally's pizza versus <laughs> Doc G's uh, deep dish there. Yeah, there's a, I've been thinking a lot about how to how I'm going to start marketing this so Chad and I are going to start meeting with some people who've done successful book launches, but eventually, hopefully Chad will help organize me because, you know, at this point I have podcasts, blogs, and social media people to like kind of integrate. And then as we get to the few months right before the launch, hopefully some media, if I can arrange it. And then last but not least, there's going to be kind of like that, a ground team. I'm I'm going to try to put together a ground team of 10 or 15 people who are going to you know, post on social pretty consistently the week of launch, as well as try to get hopefully 20 to 30 people to put reviews down pretty quickly. I've given myself, I've I've done something, I'm doing something different that I've never done before. I've never allowed myself to have really big audacious goals because I've always been embarrassed of this idea that I wouldn't succeed. And so I've always tamped down on my expectations because you know I didn't want to deal with the fact that maybe I would look bad because I would get nowhere near. So I've just decided I'm setting my goal at I want to sell a million books. I figure there's no bigger, more audacious goal out there. There's no bigger goal possible. So I'm just giving in and just saying it here for everyone to know. I'm setting a huge goal and I don't care if I fail. I'm going to just Oprah's throw myself book club. Do into it. Yeah, whatever it is. Does anyone know Oprah? She's so such a- that's, that's my goal is to sell a million books and I'm going to fling myself into it regardless of the outcome. So That's awesome. I know one uh, news person here in San Diego 
Yeah. Uh, I've done such any help around. anyone can give me. I will take it. I've so far heard from a number of people in the know the answer actually still is consistently podcasts. It's getting on as many good podcasts as possible. But who knows? Who is is it? Is it about like financial independence? Is it, sir? The book is called Taking Stock, Hospice Doctor's Advice on Financial Independence, Building Wealth, and Living a Good Life. But the, the, the one-liner is, it's what dealing with death and the dying has taught me about money and life. You want to come speak here? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> to who? Are you in New Haven? I am. I am. We'll have to talk later. I haven't decided how much speaking I'm doing and where, depending on what's happening with COVID. And I have... So I just ended up being asked to speak at something that's going to be right around the time of FinCon. So I will not be going to FinCon, but I have to start. And I may, I was thinking of possibly doing a book launch at the headquarters in Longmont of doing just like a, a small 50 person party and, you you know, just doing something fun because, you know, Carl's there and, you know, I'm friends with him. I'd fly in for that. I'm thinking hopefully some of my friends would fly in and come. So I'm thinking of doing something like that. But above and beyond that, I haven't done a lot of, I haven't planned a lot of in-person stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Nancy would love to go back and hang out with Carl and Mendy again after Camp yeah, Fire Rocky Mountain yeah, or before, yeah, depending on. Yeah. When so I'm, I'm thinking about doing that. I, again, I have to think, and I'm going to be doing some speaking in some places and some other things, but I'm really trying to. So I'm starting very early because it's not dropping till August, although I just finished my last edit. So it's going in the layout right now, which is good. So hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll have a version I can start sending people. And an audiobook. So what happens is once it goes into layout, we actually own the rights to audio. Unlike some, like some publishers that's part of the rights, we actually own those rights. So my agent is going to be submitting it to Audible and all those places once we have it in layout form. That doesn't mean we'll get a deal, but we're going to submit it and see what happens. That's so cool. So that's let where me, we're going to end. Let me know. You know, I one of the things that drive me insane about like this medical school thing is like the cognitive dissonance about finances. Yeah. They, I mean, they completely just like disassociate, which of course is like a pet pee. Like you cannot... Someone has to have this. Con- oh, okay, I'll spare you the rant, but you know we have a med school, we have a nursing school, and we have a school of business, and we have like the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. um, center. So I, I do think there would be like we could. I do think it would be a fairly successful event, you know, to talk to these students about like not just money in grad school, but like how money affects yeah. death yeah. and healthcare. So you know, I'm always here, easy. It's no problem. I appreciate that. Yeah. The the thrust of the book is, you know, I've learned from the dying. What, what happens when people kind of find out they have a terminal diagnosis, they really start concentrating on what's important in life. So it's a lot of stories about what I've learned about walking with people through those journeys of them seeing what's important in their life and then bringing that back to the personal finance world. Like people who are dying rarely say I didn't make enough money. They rarely say I wish I worked more. Often they say other things. And so what can we learn from those people and then integrate that into our ideas about how to build a stable financial life, but also keep the bigger things that are more important in, in focus. And so it's, it's, it's really kind of balancing both the money, learning to use it as a tool instead of a goal, but also searching into our own purpose identity and the type of work we really want to do in the world and then finding ways to do that 
way before we're financially independent, right? Doing that now, like how do we both build a financial independence plan, but also do the things that really make us more who we are and add- Put our jobs and go freelance. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, but all you guys have done that. I mean, I think it's, so what this this story is kind of like the end story to the learning five. So first you go into financial independence and you think only about money and you make these big goals and you concentrate a lot on these goals and then something hits and you realize, wait, money is just kind of this thing, but I really have things I want to do in my life. And so how do I focus on those? And so the final evolution is, I don't care if I get to financial independence or not. I just want to have a stable plan so that I can then fund what I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, that take that story interspersed with people who are dying and, and kind of what I learned from them. And that's pretty much what the book is. I mean, there's, there's more of a framework to it, but it's the idea. I just wish you could tell me what my expiration date is because it'd be very lovely to be able to plan backwards. I say that often. You know, a big point of the book actually, and I do make this point is when you finally get to this point where you kind of figure out what you want to do and who you want to be. And then you also get to the point where you start saying, okay, I understand what financial independence is and how to get there, depending on who you are. The last step is decide whether you think you're going to die too soon or live too long and run out of money, right? If you think you're going to die too soon, your financial independence plan looks a lot different. You really shouldn't be saving 50%. If you think you're going to die young, you should really be saving 10%, getting your financial independence stuff kind of set away in order. And then really you should go out and have a lot of fun. Whereas if you, like me, I always figured I'd live long and I worried about running out of money. That's a whole different story. Then you really should be putting away 50%, getting your money in the stock market as fast as possible, getting it compounding so that it can do its own thing so that you can eventually then spend the rest of your life doing what you want. So it's like, do you you not have enough time or do you not have enough money? And if you can answer that question, then you can kind of go back and start really reorganizing everything. I think, you know, at a place like like Yale, where there's just like where, where privilege is kind of like a handicap, you know, just because it's the story that they need to hear, but that no one tells them that they need to hear. I think that's such a profound thing to hear when you're 25 and in grad yeah. school when you're $250,000 in debt and you you just don't think like, hey, you know, number one, do you want to work for the next 45 years? Can Can you... Can you pay that off? Number two, like, have you ever thought about what happens if you outlive your money? Has that a lot? You, you know, no one tells you. I think, I think, you know, regardless of what would happen at Yale, I think this is a great, Ivy Leagues are a great place to start kind of putting that seed into minds because it's just not here, you know, it's just not what's on a 25-year-old's mind who goes to Yale and it, it, it really you know, these kids are creeping up to the 300s, yeah, you know, out of money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not in their mind. So I think it would be lovely to have you on this coast. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the daily crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. 
The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. <laughs> Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs> 